0: Welcome back to the Radical Radiance podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca George, and I am so excited about this episode where we will learn how to gain a big picture perspective of how God is at work in our lives and find peace His peace in the midst of difficult times. Today, we are going to sit down with a very, very, very special guest who I have wanted to get to know for a very long time, Katie Davis Majors. You guys ask for her all the time when I ask you who you would like to have as a guest on the show, and so I'm so thrilled to get to introduce you to her today. She is going to share practical steps from her new book, Safe All Along, to help us live in God's peace. Together, we dive into the significance of focusing on eternity and finding certainty and peace amongst our difficult circumstances. Katie also shares personal stories of her journey and how she found Jesus's gentleness in the midst of life's chaos. We also hear her inspiring story of founding a nonprofit in Uganda called Amazima, providing education and discipleship to children and families. Join us as we learn to trust in the bigger picture and see how God is at work, even when we cannot see or understand fully. Help me welcome our new friend, Katie Davis Majors, to the show. Katie, welcome to the show. I am so excited to get to know you, and I'm so thrilled about the message of your newest book and just excited to get to know you today. So thanks for being with me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: I am so excited. I, along with so many of my friends, read... Kisses from Katie so many years ago. I feel like I was at just such a sweet age to just grasp onto your story and what the Lord was doing in your life in that season. And I was probably cause it was what, 10 12 years ago that Kisses yeah, from Katie came 12. out? Twelve. Okay, twelve. So yes. So I was where was I at that point? I would have been late high school. And so I just remember your story encouraging me so much. And as the years have progressed and I started the podcast, I can't tell you how many times I've had friends say, how cool would it be to sit down with Katie? I would love to like hear more of her story. And so I know so many of our listeners are going to be so excited to hear from you today. And I know some of our people, many of our people have heard your story, but for those of our people who have not and might be unfamiliar with just your testimony and background, I would love for you to open us up by sharing a little bit of your story of becoming an adoptive mom in Uganda that led to the message of Kisses from Katie. Like, give us the context and the background, and then I'm super excited to jump in to say follow along.
1: Sure. Yeah, so I guess it all kind of started when I was a senior in high school. I went on a three-week mission trip with my mom to Uganda, and while I was there, we became friends with a Ugandan pastor He and his wife uh, lived at and ran an orphanage of about 120 children. And so he invited me to come back after I finished high school and spend just time living with him, volunteering with them, They were trying to start up a little preschool and kindergarten program for the kids, both the kids at the orphanage and the kids in the community, and so he had asked me if I would think and pray about coming back to do that with he and his wife, and at first I kind of thought, nah, and I came back to the states, finished high school, and all I could think about that second Mm -hmm. half of my senior year in high school was how to get back over To Uganda and help these children and help this precious family. And so I ended up moving back to Uganda for what I thought was a gap year after I graduated from high school. I said I was gonna take a year and go and volunteer and serve with them and then come back and do college after the year was up. And so I was over there, I was living with this sweet family, I was volunteering at the orphanage, fell in love with the children there and just the community that I worked in. And as I was getting to know these kids and getting to know their stories, I was surprised to hear a lot of them talk about their parents and their grandparents and their aunts and uncles and extended family. And they would even go sometimes and visit their mom and dads on the weekend. Um, I also got to know the children in my little kindergarten class. Some of them who didn't live at the orphanage, I would walk them home in the afternoons and get to know their families. And, you know, honestly, I was a little surprised and confused by the fact that a lot of the kids living at the orphanage had family that lived right there in the community. And as I began to ask more questions about this, um, I realized, I guess I had thought you know, just coming from a pretty naive American mindset, I had thought that in order to live in an orphanage, probably, like, all your family had died. Um, sure. You didn't have a mom and a dad. You didn't have anybody to go home to. And as it turns out, in East Africa, the majority of children who live in orphanages actually do have at least one living parent, but they're there just because of poverty. Because parents, wow. um, they love their kids. They want to take care of their kids. They want what is best for them, but schooling isn't free and it can become Mm. quite expensive to send your children to school, especially if you have many, which a lot of families do. Um, Healthcare is expensive, food is expensive, and a lot of the people in the community that I lived in were farmers, so they just kind of Mm. grew the food that they needed to survive, but they didn't really have any type of cash flow income, and so sending their kids to school or even going to the doctor when they needed to was nearly impossible. And so they would have their kids go and live at an orphanage for the sake of thinking that they would have a better life there. They would have access Mm. to nutrition and education and just these other things that they needed. And that didn't sit well with me. Um, I was really sad to think of these kids who were growing up in an institution who had parents just down the road. I was sad to think Mm. of other children in my little kindergarten class, they weren't going to be able to continue on to first grade or second grade. They wouldn't be able to continue with their schooling because their families couldn't afford it. And so just really organically, almost accidentally, I mean, of course it wasn't an accident to God, but I began to pay for a couple students from my community to go on to the next year of school. And my goal was to keep them in their families in their communities and also for them to still be able to have an education and I was able to do that just with a little bit of money that I had raised to be overspending the year in Uganda for um for that year volunteering and and then as I did that and as I told my parents and friends and family members back home people just kind of jumped in and my mom said like, yeah. oh, well, if there are other children who have that need, I would pay for a couple of them to go to school. You know, it worked out to wow. be a couple hundred dollars a year in order to cover all their schooling okay. costs and food and some different things. And so um, I had family and friends say, yeah, we want to participate. And within that first year that I was living in Uganda, I was collecting money from friends and family in the States to send about 40 children To school in our community. Wow. And so I was able to found a nonprofit and turn that little project into a nonprofit called Amazima. Amazima means truth in Luganda, which is the local language in that community. And um, we have grown and grown and grown as a nonprofit. We've got, it's 15 Mm -hmm. years later. But um, we have over 300 staff now. We have multiple school campuses where kids go to school. And our heart really is just discipleship to teach these kids um, that they are beloved of God, to teach them um, who Jesus is, to teach them Mm -hmm. their value, and also to teach their families and bring them alongside in the process. And so that's kind of how life in Uganda started, as you mentioned, over the course of the next several years, I began to foster and then eventually adopt um, 13 young women. Wow. We, um, I mean, they're young women now. They were little girls at the time. Now yeah. they're grown into young women. We had other foster kids over seasons who were able to go back um, and be with family. and And for these 13, there wasn't that opportunity. I also over the course of the next several years, I met my husband in Uganda. He was also doing mission work there. We went on to have two more babies. Um, wow. And then just about... So we lived in Uganda until about a year and a half ago. So pretty much okay. my entire adult life was spent in Uganda. And then about a year and a half ago, there were a bunch of different things going on that played into it. But we unexpectedly moved back to the States. So now we're in Tennessee. And... Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the story of the last 15 years in a nutshell, I guess.
0: I love that. I love hearing all of that. Some some again and some for the first time. And as you're talking through some of your story, it's bringing this up in me. So so I will turn 31 this year. I married my husband when I was 27 and so had many years of adult life just independently doing ministry separately before we Joined forces, and my husband's a lead pastor, and so uh, we didn't grow up in ministry together. We did a lot of years of ministry separately, and then now we're doing that together. And we do not have children yet, and so from the perspective of someone who mothered at such a young age, I just wonder, as you reflect on that, I wonder what God taught you through that process of mothering so young and as someone who just like wants to learn wisdom from you as a hopeful future mother, um, what comes to mind is like some of the things that the Lord taught you in such a different culture and such a different Mm. place as you mothered at such a young age.
1: That's such a great question and, and sweet to reflect on, right? Just because I can't reflect on that question without really just seeing God's faithfulness and his presence. Um, I think, first of all, he just taught me such a dependence on him, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times that was so lonely, especially as as a single mom, and I had some friends my age, but of course they didn't have children, and so they were doing kind of different things than I was doing, you know, in the evening, I was giving people baths and putting little guys to bed, and then... Um, you know, curling up with a book, but staying at home because they were all asleep. And my friends would go out and do fun things. And um, I think I just, I learned just this really sweet dependence on God in my loneliness Mm -hmm. um, and just learned to talk with him in a different way Mm -hmm. and established this really deep relationship with him that I think um, has served me really well Uh, obviously over the years. And also I just, I wonder if maybe I wouldn't have had the opportunity to, um, establish that if I didn't have so many pockets of quiet, lonely time. And so, um, that really ended up being such a gift to, to just establish that dependence on him. And so often, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have a spouse to kind of bounce things off of, which I'm so grateful I do now. Um, it's a lot of fun just to be able to do it together, but mm-hmm. yeah, I do think it increased my prayer life. It increased my communication yeah. with God. It increased my dependence on God. I think in a lot of ways, like it, it also taught me my own selfishness. Um, I think sure. a lot of a lot of couples talk about this in the early years of marriage, right? People talk about how the early years of marriage can be difficult just because you see your own sin and your own selfishness. Mm-hmm. when when you're called to kind of lay down your life for another and i think um because i did it a little backwards if you will right i had kids and then got married i think it was motherhood that really showed me like oh sure. i am i am more self-centered than i would like to believe and i am being called daily just to die to myself and yeah. put aside my own wants and put somebody else's wants and needs in front of my own and um that, of course, just requires a ton of patience and, again, a ton of reliance on the Lord to say, like, okay, God, I can't do this on my own. You're going to have to help me to put aside my own desires and honor someone else above myself.
0: Psst. Did you know that my debut book, Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl is available wherever you like to buy books? I wrote it. Well, I wrote it just for you, friends. So if you are ready to see your gifts and talents from a gospel-centered perspective, prioritize goals related to your calling as you move forward with gumption and grace, maximize your passions in the work you do every day, actively partner with God to serve Him and love others, and overcome negative thought patterns so you can brainstorm, develop, and create with the confidence of a go-getter girl, if that sounds like you— then I want you to order today at the link in the show notes below. Each chapter includes prayer prompts, scripture for further study, questions for reflection, action steps to move your goal forward, and accompanying videos for individual or small group discussion. So grab a friend or 12 and let's use God's word as our compass to do the thing. After all, if not now, when? One of my greatest joys is having the opportunity to come share God's word at women's events, retreats, and conferences. I'm booking speaking engagements for this year and next year and would love to chat with you about your church's next event. Shoot me an email at hello at radicalradiance.live to start a conversation today. Yeah, I can only fathom what that would be like. It makes sense how you would trade that initial realization of that, because that that has certainly been the case in marriage for me with motherhood and that happening in that space. So that, that absolutely makes sense. I wonder, man, having spent so many years just ministering in such a different culture, as you began to explore coming back, what has that transition been like for you guys Is not only you've processed through that, but your children and your husband, what's that, what's that been like? What's the Lord shown you in that?
1: It has been just a huge growing season. Obviously it's yeah. been a huge transition for all of us. Um, for me specifically, like I moved straight out of living with my parents at 18 years right. old into the context of living independently in Uganda. And so everything that I know how to do as an adult, I learned in that specific context. So moving back here, while it was essentially coming back to my home country, it, it didn't feel like coming back to anything. It felt sure. like moving to a foreign country all over again. And then on top of that, you know, I've never lived here as an adult. I've never lived here as a wife or as a mother. So kind of helping... Our family navigate it. I mean, one thing that was um, one thing that was really challenging, I think, just was the pace of life in America. Yeah. Everything felt a lot, a lot faster and a lot more um, just go go go, busy busy busy. Uh, as, whereas life overseas just had a slower pace, and so it, it was hard. It continues to be hard. Honestly, I feel oh, like yeah. we're still learning how to juggle okay, we want to be involved in things and we want our children to be involved in things because we want to have community and we want to have friends Mm -hmm. and we've seen the value of living in community, especially from our life overseas. Um, But at the same time, we want time together as a family and we don't want to always feel like we have to keep up with this frantic pace of life. And so kind of learning like where to say yes and where to say no and when to jump into activities and when to when to hold off, I think that has been really challenging as, as well as just the, um, there's just a lot of consumerism and materialism, um, that feels a lot more kind of in our faces in this culture than it did in our life overseas. And it was always, I think here, uh, we're pretty constantly, especially for my teenagers, we're pretty constantly presented with what we don't have, what we don't have, what we don't have.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, whereas in, in our life in Uganda, we just uh, had so many friends and so many people in our community that had less than us that it was always very, mm-hmm. it was a bit flipped. It was always very apparent sure. what we did have and what the Lord had blessed us with. And so trying to spend a lot of time just... Um, Just spending time being thankful for what God has given us and focusing really on what he has done, done for us helps mitigate, you know, our eyes just always going to what we don't have or what we could have
0: or what we want. Sure. That makes sense. And I wonder, you know, daring to hope kisses from Katie, you launched, wrote all both of those messages while you were living in Uganda, I'm like processing this in real time. And so now this would be, I guess the first project that you've really, you've lived in the States as you have launched it into the world. And so I wonder, fellow author speaking, I just like, just put out my first book about a month ago. And so I'm, thank you. So I'm processing through, you know, how do I run at a healthy pace? And make this sustainable over the long haul. And so I'm sure, I mean, it goes without saying, that had to have been a challenge processing doing that here. Yes? Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, in previous for previous book launches, I've been able to say kind of to my team, like, okay, you get me for these two weeks, and I'll come to the States, and I'll run hard. You know, I'll do whatever you want me to. And I've left my kids at home with my husband. Um, Yeah. And so this time, it's been a lot more juggling because I'm here and I'm more easily accessible. But I do think uh, the increase in podcast has actually been helpful because I haven't needed to travel Good. quite as much. Um, like I can do this kind of in this little nap time window yes. in the afternoon. So, but yeah, again, it just it's another thing to add to the schedule, another thing to juggle, like we were mm-hmm. just talking about. So, it's had its own challenges, and it's been. I mean, it was funny. I um, I had actually kind of decided that I would write this new book, Safe All Along, which is really just born out of me wrestling with my own anxiety and asking God, like, okay, Lord, you know, Jesus says in scripture that he leaves us with peace. And then we've got Paul talking about a peace that passes understanding. And yet... I don't really feel like I'm living in this place of peace. And so if peace is something that God has promised us, how do I learn to really live that out and walk that out? And I had kind of, I had proposed this book already to my publishing team and decided to write it kind of, right in the middle, right before we decided to move. And so I didn't actually know that I was going to be writing this book
0: Wow! in the
1: process of this huge life transition. I thought we had life kind of all mapped out in Uganda. It was going to be the Mm -hmm. first time that some of my kids were going to school instead of being homeschooled. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have all this new margin and free time. And what am I going to do? I'm going to write this book. And then after I had signed that contract, we ended up unexpectedly moving and life just kind of turned upside down and wasn't as at Mm. all what I expected. And so um, in a lot of ways, like it was kind of funny and ironic, but in a lot of ways, I felt like it was also really kind of God to have me Mm. already asking these questions about peace
0: and already
1: digging into it and studying it. Because of course, when we ended up in the States, my anxiety was like through the roof, more out of I'm control sure. than it ever had been. Um, so many new things. I'm trying to figure out, Oh, just trying to figure out everything and going yeah. from a life that felt really familiar and that I kind of felt good at, felt that I had mastered to a life that I just had no idea how to navigate. And so the book became a little bit more of my story and how I, you know, Mm. how we navigated the transition, but I did not know that that is what God had in store when I started
0: it. Wow. That's awesome. So on that note, there is a story that just so beautifully sets the tone for, the title of the book that I've heard you share a couple of times. And I would love for listeners to hear how the Lord sort of framed that for you because it was such a beautiful moment. Would you share that with us?
1: Yeah. So it was before our move to the States. It was, I mean, gosh, probably two and a half years ago now. And because we had had some of our older kids had graduated from high school and moved over to the United States to go to the, to go to college here. And so, Um, a bunch of them had come home for kind of this long break, right? We had had, it was COVID and so school had closed and they were doing online school and it ended up being really sweet because they got to come back home to Uganda and do this extended season at home with us that most people don't get with their college kids. So that was like a little bonus blessing to get some extra time with them uh, kind of right after they had launched. But we usually try to go on a little family trip right after christmas and so we went on a family camping trip and we were playing in the river which is something we really enjoy as a family we lived kind of right on the river in uganda and so we love to swim and kayak and paddleboard and all the fun river activities and so one of my adult daughters and i decided to jump in and we thought that we were going to be in this circular current that kind of brought us back around to the shore but instead we ended up getting caught in this rapid that was taking us really fast and really far down the river. And so, of course, I'm I'm stuck in these waves and I can just barely see the top of my daughter's head and I am panicking and thinking about how we're going to, there's a waterfall up ahead and we're going to go over the side of it and just like, you know, it was like a movie scene. I'm just like imagining the yeah. worst case scenario. Eventually, I was able to grab onto a branch and pull myself out of the river. But as I reached out for my daughter, I watched her go around the corner to where I couldn't see her anymore. So I'm sitting on this rock. I'm freaking out. I'm calling out to Jesus, please, please save her, Lord. And I don't know how long I sat there. It felt like forever. Yes, Um, but eventually I heard her footsteps coming Mm. from the other side of me, and so she had actually been pulled out of the water by a fishing boat. Um, You know, I hug her. I'm screaming. I'm crying. I'm oh my goodness, are you okay? She was totally nonchalant about it. Like, woo, that was funny. Um, But when she she and her sisters went back to the campsite. And Benji said, like, hey, I want to show you something. Well, of course, first of all, Benji's my husband. I'm crying and freaking out. Like, oh, my gosh, that was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I almost lost her, blah, blah. Um, But he says, hey, I want to show you something. And he took me up the riverbank. It kind of went up on this hill. And from way up high, you know, you could look down at the river and it looked so small. And you could see the whole path, all the twists and turns. You could see the places where the water was going really fast and the places where it slowed down and you could have had like a leisurely swim. And I just felt the words drop into my spirit. You were safe all along. And really, I was looking back at the last couple years of my personal life and our lives as a family. We'd had some really hard family stuff happen. Then we had had the pandemic hit where for a season we were locked in Uganda and our kids were locked in America and couldn't get home to us. I mean, there had just been so many things that had brought up so much anxiety in me and so much panic in me. And I thought, wow, what a cool picture. Because for so long, you know, I had felt like this version of myself like caught in the rapids, just panicking because all I could see was right in front of me. And just this picture that like God, God saw all of it. You know, he saw the Mm. big picture. He saw all the twists and turns. He saw the ways that he was going to carry us, the ways that he was going to get us through. And I thought, what would it look like if I could live out of this place from high up above, Seeing the whole picture, seeing this perspective instead of living like the lady, like caught in the rapids, just totally panicking and just started asking God to like bring that picture back to my mind and give me his perspective to allow me to live out of this place of really knowing that we were safe all along.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I'm wondering for the listener coming to the conversation today and Her life feels really similar to how you felt in the rapid that day, right? And she is just coming to the conversation and saying, yes, Katie, yes, Rebecca, that is absolutely me. I wonder on the other side of writing this message and wrestling through this with the Lord, what encouragement would you want to leave her in that today as she As she grabs hold of that branch and and attempts to kind of pull herself out of the water and and desires to see things from that perspective, how would you encourage her?
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's so hard, right, because so much of our life is lived with just such a limited perspective. You know, I got to see the big picture of the river, but I think a lot of times we don't get to see it or maybe we do but it's years and years and years later. Um, Mm. and I think sometimes it isn't in this life, you know? And so, so it's hard to kind of pull ourselves out of the worry and in the book safe all along, I do give these kind of 10 practical steps, these practices that have helped me, um, to live in God's peace a little bit more, but the one that I, I just keep coming back to even in the last few weeks, of course, always in the last few weeks, we've had some chaos and some scary things in our family as well. And I just keep coming back to focusing on eternity and just this idea that, um, that God gives us, Paul writes about it in Corinthians. He says that our light And momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory. And I will be honest, my afflictions don't feel light and momentary. They feel big and all consuming when I just look at what's happening around me. And when I allow myself to believe that this is all there is. And that's Mm -hmm. when I start to panic. And that's when my anxiety rises. When I allow myself to believe that this is all there is and this is going to be all consuming but when I fix my eyes on eternity and I remember that big picture this is just a little little piece of what I have forever with Jesus and one day I am going to be with Jesus in eternity and all of this that's going on around me no matter what it is maybe it's a scary medical diagnosis. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's the unknown of what the future holds. I mean, we all have all these different difficult things in our lives, but they're all going to be made right. They're all going to be restored. Yeah. Broken relationships and broken bodies and and the unknown and the fear, it's all going to be resolved one day and it's going to be resolved permanently forever. And man, if we oh, can man. just fix our eyes on that. And hold on to that. That's what gives us certainty when when the world around us just spins in chaos.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's such an encouragement, and that helps my heart so much. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you are in the middle of those days, just fixing our eyes on, like, this is temporary. And, like, yeah. I can trust that God is at work, even in what I can't see and what I will never see this side of heaven. Like you're saying, I think we we love seeing the backstory and we love seeing the fruit of, you know, what we're sowing. And so many of those things we struggle with this side of heaven. And and yet we can trust that he's at work and, um, yeah, fixing our eyes on eternity helps my heart so much. And so I'm so glad you shared that. And I want listeners to go grab a copy of safe all along so that they can walk through all of the other wisdom that you have shared. And I want to talk a little bit more about where they can grab it here in a second but there is one question that we ask all of our guests that come on the Radical Radiance podcast when I was really asking the Lord for his wisdom on what we would title the show and and things he kept bringing me back to this verse in Psalm 34 and it's verse 5 and it says those who look to him are radiant and their faces Mm. shall never be ashamed. And the question I love asking in this season of your life is what about Jesus makes you radiant?
1: I love that question. I think in the last, I mean, a million attributes of Jesus, right? But I think in the last season, um, I feel like God has really just been teaching me about his gentleness. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that doesn't always come easily to me. I can be super driven and um, super passionate, and those are great things. But I think I've just, as I look back over the last year and a half of our transition to the United States, um, I feel like I put a lot of pressure and expectation on myself. And I feel like as I've had conversations with Jesus about that, he's been very clear that that pressure and those expectations were not put on me by him. And he's just been very gentle with me and very tender in allowing me to transition slowly and in speaking over me that it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to feel Mm -hmm. discouraged when things are hard. And so I think I've, I've known his gentleness and his tenderness in a new way and i think just experiencing that personally and then looking i've been really actively looking for that attribute of his in stories that i see in scripture just because he's made it so real to me in this season mm-hmm. and so um yeah i love that about jesus i love that there's just never a time when we are going to fully know all of the wonderful aspects of his character and that we can just keep growing and keep learning Uh, more about him and I think that that in itself makes us radiant
0: I agree that's so beautiful I love that well I can't tell you how much I have loved this conversation and I cannot wait to share it with all of our listeners before we go I would love for you to share where can people connect with you and your organization and grab the book and all of those things
1: yeah absolutely so I mean we are we're online Amazima is we have a website Um, we have, we're on Instagram, Amazima is A-M-A-Z-I-M-A. I I know that's kind of a confusing and difficult word, um, to spell. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as well. If people want to connect, the book should be sold anywhere that you love to buy books. And so you can find that online as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I, again, I'm so thankful for how the Lord is at work in you and how, You have really encouraged, I would say, my generation so much, Mm -hmm. even years and years and years ago through Kisses from Katie, and it's just a joy to get to hear more of your story and how the Lord has been at work, and I'm so excited to continue to see what He does through you and excited to see just how this message encourages us uh, to just remember those beautiful attributes of God that um, He gives us His peace and that you're safe in him and it's just such a beautiful story. And so I'm so glad that you penned it for us and I can't wait for listeners to get their hands on it. So again, thank you so much for being with me.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca.
0: And that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Katie's story about her experiences in Uganda, her work with Amazima and how she found peace in the midst of personal and family hardships. As she shared, it can be difficult to gain a big picture perspective in life, but by trusting in the truth we find in God's word and fixing our eyes on Jesus, we can find certainty and peace. I encourage you to check out her new book, Safe All Along, for practical steps to living in God's peace. And before we end, I want to remind you about the question I ask at the end of every episode. What about Jesus makes you radiant? I loved hearing Katie's response, and I hope it encouraged you to reflect on your own answer to that question. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you found our conversation both encouraging and thought-provoking. Make sure to subscribe to the Radical Radiance podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. Until next time, keep seeking truth, pursuing God, and radiating Jesus in all you do. I'll see you next time.